to Live Fix Radio. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And we're excited to have you guys join us today on an episode where we're going to be celebrating record stores. Um, there is still a... record stores around? Of course there are. Of course there is. Why would you say a thing like that? This is, a, this is a very special show about the history and the connection between the live music experience and record stores because both flipping through records going to your favorite shows, two very unique experiences that you cannot get anywhere else, right? And we're going to be talking about record stores. We have a, uh, a great interview uh, with uh, one of our uh, owners of our favorite, one of our favorite record, local record stops, uh, Rediscover Records in Elgin. And uh, Rich Wagner is going to be joining us. Uh, well, we uh, stopped by his shop to talk a little bit about uh, his his shop and uh, what's what going. is his shop? Uh, it's called Rediscover Records in uh, downtown Elgin. Um, oh, okay. We've been there. So a local shop then for us. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about our favorite record short uh, record stores, uh, also in the uh, Chicago area, and um, talk about some history of record stores. Absolutely, you know, because there's a lot of history. Lots and lots and lots of history. So. What we have today is a, uh, a show packed with uh, lots of news. It's been a very busy week. Uh, some exciting news. Uh, we got holograms going on on stage. Uh, we've had the passing of two, two, two big people in the music industry. Um, and uh, we have some news about Doritos and uh, a fake Megadeth Motorhead post, right? Created some controversy on Craigslist. Very, very interesting story. So... Uh, great show we have uh, ready to uh, share with you guys. So first up here, you know, there it is. Um, one of the things we like to do on Live Fix, you know, is you know obviously celebrate people while they're here with us. Um, but unfortunately, you know, people do pass on, and uh, two two big two big people in the music industry, um, you know, music. Uh, I'm sure they're uh, music fans as well. Uh, Levon Helm of the band, the drummer of the band, and um, uh, Dick Clark uh, passed on uh, this week. So, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, people tweeting, uh, memories, uh, rest in peace, you know, things like that. So when you start to see things like that in social media and just in the news, you know, you really start to go back and wonder what was the impact of those, um, you know, those two people. Um, so... Um, you, you found some things about, uh, you know, Dick Clark, you know, that were, that were kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, you, you wouldn't have live music experience if it weren't for what Dick Clark did, you know, on American Bandstand. So just watching a lot of the, a lot of the clips. Yeah. And I mean, it was very historical how, um, he actually, a lot of his shows were, um, the first places where there was not segregation. Hmm. And there was a lot of people in the audience that were were mixed and running around, and there was no segregation like there was during that time, you know, for everything else. So um, that was huge for him, you know, and I'm sure he got a lot of, um, you know, there's probably a lot of people that were kind of questioning that, and, you know, there were some issues with that, but um, he continued to do it. And he also got bands there that were segregated bands, Mm -hmm. or not segregated bands, I should say, um, and they were on stage, and it was just that's that was a huge piece of history right there. Yeah, and when it comes to, I mean, today we have YouTube, we have all these opportunities to see live music televised, you know, and you uh, probably wouldn't be where we are today without um, you know contributions of Dick Clark and American Bandstand, seeing people enjoy live music, the dancing, the 
you know, just the different ways of uh, interacting uh, with the live music right there in the studio and then having that experience kind of come through the screen and, and just, you know, create this excitement for, for people that um, back then you really didn't, um, didn't have that on a, such a wide scale. So it was, it was a big event to see that going on in that little glass tube in front of you and wondering what it was like there. So What's amazing, too, is he always was in, a lot of the times, he was actually in the audience. Yeah, he put himself yeah. in, right? On purpose. He, he was mm-hmm. in the crowd, right? He, you'd, you'd always see him there. He was certainly a fan, you know, a, a big music fan. So um, we pay tribute to Dick Clark. An inspiration for every person in this audience, myself included, one of our heroes, Levon Helm. Many times before I watched the movie The Last Waltz, which is about the band and their, their final show, um, very, one of the best concert documentaries ever made, and um, when I heard that you know, Levon Helm had passed, you know, I thought about that movie and I thought about what it was like, uh, what, it would, you know, what it might have been like to be in that crowd, you know, to see the band playing in that way, and um, Levon Helm actually uh, recently released a, a live album, uh, uh, Ramble at the Ryman. Uh, which was one of my favorite live releases of last year. So, again, you know, you hear these things, you just kind of you start to think about these things. You think about, you know, the the you know the emotions. And it'd be awesome if we could get um, if any of you guys out there that are listening, you know, uh, actually saw the band. Please um, write us, email us, Facebook us, tweet yeah. us. Yeah, if you have uh, you know a Dick Clark story, if you were in in those crowds and. You know, uh, you have an American Bandstand story, or you have a band story. You know about seeing either to you know those uh, you know the band live or seeing Levon Helm uh, recently perform live. Uh, you know, let us know. We'd love to share your story and you know hear more about that and you know share it with the rest of uh, rest of the listeners. So again, we pay tribute both to Dick Clark and to uh, to Levon Helm. So this next uh, story is. Uh, it's quite interesting. By far one of the most interesting stories of the year, uh, if not one of the most interesting interesting stories we've ever talked about on Life Fix. So it, it's almost too it's almost too believable to think it's fake. Fake. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Had me had me believing. Right. And what we're talking about is uh, over the last week uh, there was a, a posting put on Craigslist. And uh, this is something, you know, we have all this in the, in the show notes, but uh, basically um, somebody had posted on a, a Craigslist that they had attended a Motorhead Megadeth concert in Chicago at the Aragon. And uh, they had um, had fun in the bathroom, had sex with somebody in the bathroom. And that person said, well, I don't know who you were, but we, uh, we had sex in the bathroom and um, I'm pregnant now. Uh, come claim your child, <laughs> basically. You know, so it was like, wow, this is kind of weird. You know, someone's someone's doing that. So, uh, you know, a, a period of time it elapsed. You know, and people were like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And then what had happened uh, a little bit later is that it turned out to be fake. So there is a uh, a really creative writer out there that uh, she was actually doing a, uh, a little experiment. Uh, her name, of course, she's not um, identifying herself because she's uh, abiding by, uh, according to the uh, Chicagoist here, uh, this is a, a news report that they uh, posted today, uh, 23-year-old 
she's a chef from Kansas, of all places, who has identified herself as Crash because she didn't want to violate her company's uh, no media policy. Um, but basically, what she did what she did here was say that uh, you know she uh, she apparently wanted to you know have a little fun, be a little creative, and she says I you know I read some. Uh, Craigslist misconnection post, and I found them funny, so I decided to put one up to um, make this boy laugh. Why would Why would you uh, fake that? You know, I mean, I, I just I guess that's my. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, isn't there other things that she could be doing with her time than writing fake articles? I, I don't know. I don't. Know. You know, and then she. What, what's What's even funnier? You know, and I. This is a great story that uh, the Chicagoist has uh, kind of summed this all up really, really nicely. So they what's kind of funny is people actually were coming forth saying that they possibly were the dad. Yeah, she's messing with people's minds, you know, because there were people in that concert. And what she says here is that, um, you know, uh, she says here the interesting part. Uh, Crash, the, you know, the lady, that's her, her code name. She says, I'm pretty sure there were people banging at that concert, by the way, based on email responses from a few terrified concert goers who thought that they had impregnated me. I may not be pregnant, but someone is. So people were emailing her, asking and trying to confirm because they were in the bathroom and they were like, oh my God, I have a kid out there somewhere. You know, so she she threw a line out there and people people bit on it. And, and they were, they were, you know, they, they were honestly scared, you know. They were concerned that they had a, uh, you know, some some metal offspring, I guess. So, what the kicker is here is that she put some thought into this, and then the story goes on to say here, uh, Crash says she says, um, "Why did you pick that concert? You know, why why that show? You know." She says, "All the other concerts around that time were little dinky, low band, local band things, or soft music or jazz. None of them really seemed like banging in the bathroom type concerts." When I saw something about the Megadeth Motorhead show, I was like, that's the one. So she was strategic in picking the exact show that would make sense that people would go, oh, yeah, of course you're going to do that in the bathroom at that kind of concert. So really, really interesting little sociological, psychological experiment that she's doing using Craigslist, you know, and picking that, that type of concert. So pretty Pretty, pretty, well, I hope pretty she's fascinating. Lesson. Pretty fascinating stuff. I hope you know? she's learned a lesson. I mean, obviously, I don't think there's any criminal issues that can come of this, but <laughs> I just hope that she realizes that, um, you know, this this stuff really happens. I mean, unfortunately, um, people meet people in in bathrooms and things at concerts, and I just, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm being a little bit too serious about it, but I think yeah. I just feel like she. She should have thought a little bit. I mean, why not use your creativity in a different way? In a different way, I think it's pretty pretty funny, actually. I mean, I think it's I think it's kind of good, you know, in a, in a way to kind of see. I mean, but I, I I like to I love experimenting. I love you know seeing how people respond, and I do all kind of social tests and stuff like that. I mean, all, this kind of stuff time, happens so on Twitter all the this time. Is, this is pretty funny. I mean, this, this stuff is... happens on Twitter all the time. People make up quotes. Say things that are kind of out there and, and, and overboard, you know. To, you know, that happens a lot on, on Twitter, and I just think maybe sh- to use Craigslist. I, I think maybe there's other forums for that. Yeah, you know, and she wraps up by saying, you know, she was basically trying to get a laugh. You know, she wasn't trying to cause any, uh, you know, undue fear or uns- you know, just making you know, anybody feel afraid or concerned, right? She wanted to get, you know, she wanted to have a good laugh. And that was that was about it. So, 
she was successful, right? So moral of the story is make sure if you're going to do something like this, pick the right concert. Make sure that, uh, you know, you, you, you go to Craigslist and, you, you know, you target. Make sure you're targeting your experiment to the right, to the right concert fan, right? So very, very interesting news. We, um, we also, you know, what we do like to do on Live Fix, our, our, our next news item here is that um, when you go to concerts, you like to eat, you know, your you know, the taste is, is a big part. So what we've begun to do is uh, I um, found this uh, really exciting little combination that uh, Taco Bell and Doritos has, has done. So uh, if you're, uh, you, you like tacos, right, Kyle? I do. I, I mean, do you're, like you're the, and I also of, like the Dorito taco. Right, the local taco, mm-hmm. right? Combination, right? I mean, who, who would have thought that you would com- combine Doritos? Maybe we need to do that more often. What do you mean, on combine the show? Combine brands. On the, on the show? Well, or on the show general? or just in general. You know, I, I think we need to combine more, you know, good things from each each place. I'm I'm all for Put it. Them together. I'm I'm all for it. So can we have like a Big Mac Whopper, maybe connected? No, it would more <laughs> it would be more like combining a Whopper with a you know um, an ice cream sundae or something. What what if we combine uh, bands? Maybe that wouldn't work. Like what if we combine bands? I mean, I know they do that, but supergroups. What if we took like Fish and Snoop Dogg? Just like combine them. I don't know. I don't know. We can we can experiment with that. I'm not not quite sure, but and um, they actually come up with their own songs. Like they can't play what sure. they've already been playing. We'll give Snoop a call. We'll give Fish a call. We'll get them on the show, and we'll we'll see what what they can do. But what we found with with uh, Locos Tacos, you got me going in a different direction there. Now you kind of distracted me, but that's that's fine. I like being distracted. I live to be distracted. What about like Tori Amos with uh, Elton John? Yeah. You know, they're both what about, piano players. What if Eminem and Elton John got together? Oh, wait, they already did. That's right. But anyways. So there's this really great thing that uh, I stumbled upon. Uh, one day I was hungry. I got one of these Doritos Loco Tacos, and I go to eat it. And the wrapping that the Dorito Loco Taco comes in has a QR code. And I am a QR code geek. Like, I'm a junkie for that stuff. So I have my taco in one hand, I got my mobile phone in the other, and I scan the thing because I'm like, what is this? Because on the little package it says, uh, celebrate awesomeness, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, cool, you know, because some QR codes are really stupid and they're pointless, you know. So I was like, how, how, how are they executing this thing, you know, because we're always thinking about how are brands making brand uh, the live music experience better. They're just marketing. So I... I scan this thing and I look at it and boom, you know, and I click on the, on the link and there in, on my, on my droid, you know, droid X2 or whatever, pulls up a, uh, hype machine blog post that says, Hey, now you've got one loco taco in one hand and great live music in the other. So what they had done is taken a taco Allow you to have one ta- taco in one hand and live music in the other. Fantastic. And there's also an element of they have some augmented reality aspects to this. Um, one thing that I think they should do better on this, though, is that you're able to tweet your experiences when you're eating and you know tasting this uh, loco taco, which is great because you're you know you eat this thing, you're like ah, oh, this is great, so you want to tweet about it, right? Because that's what Doritos and Taco Bell want you to do. But what they don't do. Take that next step and connect 
live music, taste, and the emotional response that you get when you combine those or the emotional feeling when you're at a show. So I think Doritos and Taco Bell need to get together and you take it a little bit for, step forward and allow fans to tweet and have an experience, augmented reality, just like this, where you can see how people are combining. Because I, I like this local tacos. I think it's I think it's a great little combination. But they need to combine both of those into a live music experience, so that fans can not only you know talk about live music and talk about tacos over here. But talk about taste and food and live music all together because combining those together in a mobile app like that, I think there's there's a lot of possibilities. You know, because I know when you started the Eat Your Taco, you were you were about to tweet about it. I know I saw you reaching for your mobile phone there, right? Absolutely, you caught me. <laughs> I caught you. <laughs> so go check it out. Go get your little big box, uh, five dollar big box, and uh, let us know what you. Go, and I'm really excited about the next think. story here. You I'm are like super excited. Why don't you about take it. this one? So at Coachella this year, yeah, there was a I don't know if it was history in the making, but there was clearly something that happened that was different and was talked about in large quantities. What happened? Tupac became a hologram. What? Yes. Really? So they actually projected a image of Tupac, and it was a life size image. Yeah, that's and pretty it actually pretty, moved around, danced, sang, had the same mannerisms that Tupac had. Kind of eerie. Very eerie. And you can actually eerie, watch it and we'll post it on Eerie or, or innovative? Both. What, what do you, what, what do you eerie think? Eerie at first, but when you start thinking about how they put it together, it was very innovative. Yeah. You know, you they made about, it really yeah. dark and kind of illuminated him and... Um, I mean, I was I was impressed. I was pretty impressed to see. I, I would really have liked to be there in person yeah. and actually see that. Would you try to reach out and, and kind of? I don't know. I think I would just five? be in shock. Shock. Probably. Right. What, just what, be in awe and shock. shock. Oh, just because on on you know online. I mean, it looked real. Yeah. And he's dead. That's kind of creeping me out a little bit. Well, we've been doing all these experiments about like grief, you know, and mm-hmm. watching that. And reading some of the responses, you know that uh, Tupac's mom uh, commented, uh, you know about the about this capability of being able to see a projected, very real version of her son on stage with Snoop Dogg performing live in concert. I mean, it looked real. It looked, I was like, wow, is he really there? And I started to wonder, has Tupac always been a hologram? You know, did he really exist? And of course, he he did. He was alive. You know, he died, supposedly, right? But it kind of opens the door for other things. I mean, the the following news stories are, you know, some people, you know, they're going to take this thing on tour. What about an Elvis hologram? You know? I mean, the Elvis fans I mean, would, would you go freak to, out. Would you go to a, a, show, a show knowing that the show was only going to be a hologram? I would. If I, really liked the, if I really liked the artist, I would. I mean, it depends on why you go to a show. You know, some we've talked about this before. Some people go to a show to be with friends. Some people go for entertainment purposes. Some people go because they love the artist. I think there are some bands. I mean, oh my but a, god, but a Elvis a fans would love to see Elvis. But a hologram, a hologram can't respond emotionally. It's all pre-programmed. You know, it's kind of like a recorded show that you're watching on a screen. But maybe they can modify it so that can't emotionally that respond to anybody. They can maybe modify it so that the person who is running the projector can 
make the character do things based on the audience. If, if, you're, if, if people are paying money to see this, they're not paying money per, for a performance, you know, to, to see somebody go through the actual act of performing. They're paying for what people usually experience on a, on a more subconscious level is that, you know, the emotions. You're going to see there for nostalgia, you know, um, like when somebody's bands, they tour, you know, they're kind of past their prime, but you go there because you're not necessarily hearing the music live right there. You're, you know, you're submersed there. You're, you're, you're immersed in the nostalgia of what you remember the best moments of that band and the emotions that you associate with that. So I think people will be paying big money to see, to go back because we love nostalgia as humans, right? I mean, mm. correct me if I'm wrong. How does the human mind process things like that? Like, what would a hologram? Well, it depends on what you initially like experience. If you experience this amazing time with friends in this band, and um, you know that was on stage, and you were a teenager, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, you could. For, I mean, if you saw the Beatles when I don't know you were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. If you saw the Beatles then. You know, and all those experiences, you if you saw the hologram, it's possible all those those thoughts and feelings would come back. It's very possible. I mean, our brains are very um, amazing in that way that they, you know, are they do store stuff. They do store long term memory. So it's very possible that you could see something and and go back to the moment you first saw them. You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are people who saw Tupac in his prime. You know, before he was killed. And, um, you know, and they were, they saw the hologram and they're like, oh my God. And they were brought back to that moment when they saw him, you know, the first time. I think that if there's ever a thing that can be a resurgence, I mean, the music industry right now is, you know, is, is on life support and what's holding them, keeping them afloat. The music industry is that live music experience. And if there was any one thing that could be the saving grace or, you know, pump life or, you know, new new interest into that, um, it would be something like this. You know, uh, Elvis, Beatles. I mean, uh, I, mean, I you'd go to see Janis Joplin hologram, right? We were kind of talking Absolutely. about that, right? I mean, Absolutely. I Jerry agree. Jerry Garcia hologram sure. reunited with yeah. the dead on stage. Sure. I mean, what do you think? Absolutely. I, I think that there's going to be more of this. You know, um, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, Janis, and and Jerry, all on the same stage. I mean, See, what's I amazing mean, about this... That has never been created in real life. So now we're going to make holograms out of something that was never created? Yeah. I, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, you know, and when I saw that, I was like, I was like, damn, you know, I... Uh, uh, we have a... There's a, a post that I wrote a while back about um, the first concert venue in outer space. And part of that concert venue in outer space. And I was just kind of letting my, you know, I, I love sci-fi and Ray Bradbury and all that kind of stuff. And just the aspect of, you know, letting your imagination go. So it was like having a hologram at this concert venue in space was part of that. So you could just touch the wall. The wall would read your emotions and it would pull up whatever concert you wanted to. Full hologram, full reel. If you want to go back to Woodstock, you want to go back to Moondog Coronation Ball, you want to go back to Altamont, whatever it was, that concert based off of who you were would read you your emotions and project in real life sight, sound, smells, taste, everything right there in like a glass dome that you'd be submersed in. And I saw this Tupac show and I was like, damn, we're, 
we're headed that direction. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So I think we got to have a whole show about holograms and concerts because we can go on and on and on. But we're here to talk about Record Store Day. And one of the stories that we're going to be talking about, um, so we talked about, we talked with uh, Richard, uh, uh, Rich Wagner from Re Rediscover Records. And as you'll see during our chat, he talked about Bruce Springsteen. So it is baseball season. And recently, um, recently announced Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band are coming to uh, Wrigley Field. So, I think the Cubs can get all the help they can, you know, they can get. Maybe they can bless the field. Maybe, you know, maybe Bruce can can just say, go. Maybe, maybe he'll get he'll sing Go Cubs Go, you know, in a new way and kind of revitalize them. But I've never seen Bruce Springsteen before. After my chat here with. Uh, uh, with uh, with uh, Rich Rich Wagner, I'm I'm really really considering going and seeing Bruce Springsteen for the first time live at one of my favorite venues, Wrigley Field. So, would you would you go with me to that show? I would. I okay. would. Hopefully, he plays some of my favorite yeah. songs. Cool. So awesome. Well, here is our interview with Rich from Rediscover Records, and when we come back, we're going to talk about our favorite record stores and some of the uh, our top picks for uh, Record Store Day uh, Thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Good to good to be in uh, back in Rediscover Records, and uh, you know, we've been in here before. So tell us tell us how the uh, how the shop came came about, Rich. And well, thanks for having me, Chris. The shop itself was kind of something I've dreamed about for 10, 15 years, and invariably would talk myself out of it. Then the opportunity presented itself to have this location and share space with, say, antique dealers or things that would look fine on the set of a show like Mad Men or <laughs> things like that. So we really, it's a co-op effort and we share space and uh, keeps it affordable for everyone and thus, then thus rediscover records was born which really was a name I came up with myself because just the whole resurgence of vinyl in recent years mm -hmm. we primarily carry vinyl a few local CDs but mostly vinyl new and used and then people maybe a little older who switched to CDs or digital and then rediscovered mm -hmm. <laughs> records yeah. Uh, in recent years, you can look at my collection even at home and notice that there's a distinct line almost from where I stopped buying CDs from the record or CD release date mm -hmm. to the release date of, say, some of the vinyl I started buying, which would have been in, say, I pretty much made this conversion back in mm -hmm. 07, 08, perhaps. Nice. What, what, what were some of your favorite... Uh, moments when you first discovered vinyl or you listened to your first you know record you know uh and what, what what was that like what 
what album was it uh, that you you know the first vinyl album that you you know that you listened to and what was what was that like? Well, some of the first records that I bought when I first started buying them with my own money were Beatle records, and that would have been early '80s, even as a second generation Beatle fan, and then kind of branched into different other rock genres and then uh, things that I always liked were just to be able to look at the gatefold if you mm -hmm. bought something new to slit the cellophane and wonder <laughs> if the lyric sheet was in there or what kind of liner notes were in there and then of course the age-old question of side one or side two but <laughs> personally I always start with side one uh -huh. and then go to side two. Nice. Nice. I see some rel you have a lot of uh a lot of relics and you know memorabilia that's in here. You know, I'm looking up at this uh you have this Wilco Sky Blue Sky, you know, and I see some other great stuff here. Uh last time we were in here you were telling me about, you know, some of the Sunvolt uh uh show uh show bills uh you know from the Metro. Um how do, how is live music connected to what you're doing here? You know, how have you how have some of your live music experiences connected you know, and inspired what uh, what you're doing with, with uh, Rediscover. I think most people who are music fans slash and or nerds <laughs> either want to own a record store, work in a record store, or be a rock star, or, you know, mm -hmm. be on stage themselves. So I think this is just one part of fulfilling that dream of uh, just being in a record store and uh, there's a certain element of going to a show live that just adds to the record experience. I mean you can go to a show the night before be it Wilco or mm -hmm. Sunvolt or Uncle Tupelo you know of that branch mm -hmm. and then listen to the record the next day or songs the next day or even in your car on the way home and wonder and think yeah, I just saw him play this no more than a half hour ago or right. an hour ago. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. So we, I don't know if you guys can hear in some of it, we have a, uh, a another uh, visitor here that's uh, also in the uh, in, in the uh, the shop here with us. So welcome. What, what is your name? Jocelyn. Jocelyn. This is my daughter Jocelyn. Jocelyn, a yeah. budding music aficionado. Who's your favorite Beatle? Uh, What's your favorite Beatle? Record. I haven't guessed yet. How about a Beatle cartoon? Okay, and your bird can sing. Oh, great song. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, looks like, uh, so have you, uh, have you had plans to, you know, the very first live show that you'd want to take her to, or uh, are, are there any uh, artists that you'd, you'd want to see right now? Or when you're able to go to your first show? Not really. No? All right. Well, she'll she have to dive through some more of the uh, the records, I guess. Right. Yeah. To find that out. Cool. So, we love coming in here, and you know, we uh, last time we, we were you you mentioned, and uh, we bought some of the um, uh, Johnny Cash, you know, records and and things like that. What what other kind of live experiences uh, have you had? You know, you, you mentioned some of the uh, well, Nico Case stuff. What are what are what are some of your favorite live well, show experiences? Well, I like to tell people I've been late to the party on several bands but there are a couple feather in my cap kind of shows I've been to I was uh -huh. well 
Well, first of all, I did get to see a band like The Replacements a few times, and then I was at their very last show in 91 that was at Grant Park. Mm-hmm. So and then they ingloriously disbanded what, after what was that. that. What was that like? What was that show for you? It sounds like Well, you... this was, of course, pre-internet, so I guess word on the street before the show, there was rumor that it might be their last show because it was the last show on the tour but there was no message boards to read that on there was no twitter <laughs> accounts so it wasn't until after the fact that they had i heard that they had disbanded and that was indeed their last show in fact when they left the stage they handed their instruments to roadies hmm. to finish the song wow What'd you think of that? that <coughs> Excuse me, that was something I'd never seen or something unique. Just, hmm. you know, or you could say, oh, how replacements like, <laughs> you know, what they were known for with their live shows, either being totally on or, you know, just a mess. So, so if you could have uh, a double bill of of, uh, of bands play here in in the shop, what uh, what bands would you want to come and play? Come here and play. Realistically, or <laughs> any, <laughs> or not. Well, I've always been a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, so if we uh-huh. could fit all, however many people he has <laughs> in his band nowadays, uh-huh. that'd be okay. Dad, that would be a big show. Oh yeah. yeah. And then uh, why? Why Bruce Springsteen? Uh, just after I I saw him that first time in 1984, and then everything changed. After that, for for you as a as a fan, or you mean just me as a, <laughs> as a as, fan? I mean, I wouldn't have called myself a big fan prior to seeing him. I mean, I had a couple albums. I knew like the hits, mm-hmm. you know, that were played on FM radio, and then it just changed everything about the way I would see a show. Almost, you well, know, you, from a club you? show even to hmm. a concert. It's just a whole other experience. What do you mean in the way that uh, they were as a band, or what? Just uh, the dynamics he brings, the energy, mm-hmm. the crowd involvement. Is that kind of the kind of the measuring stick? Oh for yeah, shows that you, yeah, every show people, that you went to after that Bruce Springsteen show was yeah, kind of seen, measured against that. I've right? have a contact who just saw him at South by Southwest mm-hmm. for the first time, and he's over. 30 years old and he's probably still speechless hmm. to this day and that was just a few weeks ago in March. Yeah, that's amazing. There was a, I don't know if you read about there, uh, there's kind of a controversy with uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, saying that they use uh, teleprompters at the, at, at the shows, you know, and there was uh, Nels Lovgren uh, kind of fired back, uh, you know, and went through and said, hey, you know, there's some reasons why. You know that they were uh, reviewing some of the, uh, or you know they they do a uh, stump the band uh, element to their show. Was I that, don't know was if that they're in... doing that on this tour. I don't think they are. But what they would do, and you got to remember, he has a huge canon mm-hmm. of songs to go back to, and he's not playing the same ninety-minute set night after night after night. All right. You know, you could see him one night and then 
there could be fit and play 25, 26 songs, and then the next night there could be 12 different songs, mm -hmm. and then the next night 10 different ones. Hmm. But yeah, they would have a stump, not necessarily a stump the band, but people would hold up signs hmm. in the audience, whether it had been an obscure Springsteen song or, you know, some rock standard, like someone might hold up a <laughs> sign that says double shot of my baby's love or <laughs> good loving or uh, things like that. Wow. And then... When I've seen him play it, he'd run through like the chord changes with the other guitar player, mm -hmm. Steve Van Zandt, and say, okay, it's C here, and then, da, 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 da. okay, what's the bridge? And then they'd <laughs> run that through. Then they'd, they'd just play it. Right, right. Now, of course, he picks the songs. If there's something that is totally off the map, obviously right. he's not going to hold up that sign and say, okay, we're going to play uh, Moni Moni. You know, right. So... Or yeah. not. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, about a lot of the acts like Bruce Springsteen. I've heard also um, other fans say this about Paul McCartney, uh, is that they'll go to one of their shows and they'll be so amazed at the way that they, uh, you know, they give that amazing performance night after night after night. And that fan is able to take away, uh, you know, like a lesson, like the one person that, uh, that I'm thinking about, um, you know, as an executive at a, at a company, and he often uses this as an example to say, hey, you know, this, this is what I've learned as a, uh, you know, as an executive. And he uses the, the, the way that Paul McCartney made him feel during that show as to say, hey, you know, deliver a, you know, a great customer experience or whatever. So people are mm -hmm. pulling these things, uh, you know, from seeing these bands. How, how about you? Have you, you know, since Paul McCartney or, uh, you know, you see Bruce Springsteen, you know, as someone, as a, as a business owner, you know, when it comes to, you know, serving other concert fans, uh, do you do you think about how Bruce Springsteen and you know the E Street Band made you feel at that show, and then try to maybe not recreate that feeling, but deliver that same that same experience? Is that is there any influence in that for you? Maybe there's a parallel. I mean, I try and create a pleasant, music-friendly environment that would certainly draw much more separation than shopping in a box store or, or a chain to where you can come here and we could talk about Johnny Cash playing at the Hemmons Auditorium here in Elgin and me mm -hmm. kicking myself 15, 17 years later right. that I didn't go. I mean, you're not going to get that experience or that camaraderie right. at a Best Buy or a, a chain store. Mm-hmm. So when we'll play music here at the store, so oftentimes someone will ask, hey, what is this? This is really good. And then I'll tell them and maybe tell them a little something about the album, and yes. they may buy it, they may not. But just the whole idea that there's a, a good environment, a, a music-friendly, a music-nurturing environment to where someone can come in and look at records. Because there's like this zen-like feeling or mm -hmm. this this feeling, this spirituality, whatever you want to call it, of looking through record bins and being in a record mm. store that you just don't get sitting at your computer. I mean, sure, there's the it's euphoria kind of, kind of, like of being at a at a show, right? Yeah, there's I mean, the same same kind of thing, right? I mean, yeah, you can't get yeah. That sh live show experience at a <coughs> listening to music by yourself with headphones on is great, but 
there's nothing like being at a show, right? Right, same, right. Same kind of thing, right? Hmm. Right. Awesome. So this weekend we have Record Store Day coming up. Correct. So big day, obviously, for you and other other record shop owners. Uh, what what are some things you guys have uh, have in store? What well, would fans was, be excited about? Well, with lim- Record Store Day is filled with limited releases. So of all the things we ordered, we didn't get everything. But some of the things we could highlight were are uh, the Black Keys. Black Keys, right. El Camino on 45 RPM. We got the White Stripes 7-inch single. Getting back to Uncle Tupelo, their first three records are being reissued on vinyl. A few other bands like Cursive and uh, Justin Towns Earl. There's a Flaming Lips A-side with Mastodon ah. covering. They're both sides are Spoonful Weighs a Ton, so... Hmm. That's interesting. Nice. Mike Watt from the Minutemen. Any uh, any live albums? There's a widespread panic live album. Cool. Uh, actually, the Springsteen 7-inch has a, ver- a live version of the song The Promise oh. is the B-side so of... Spr- uh, I got a, uh, Springsteen one track on... Yeah, the, it's a 7-inch, the so there's seven like inch, okay. Rocky Ground or something from okay. the new record. Great. And then the promise is the B side. Great. Well, that's uh, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for uh, for joining us. And... Thank you, Chris. All right, that was a uh, fantastic chat with uh, with Rich. I think it was uh, great to uh, hear about the connection with his love for live music and how you know seeing Bruce Springsteen was the game changer you know for him and um, great shot. Go support you know. your local yeah. record shop. Absolutely. Because when you support a local company, you're giving back to your community. Absolutely. You're giving back to the community of live music, community of music, and all that kind of stuff. So what was really, there was something interesting. We, you know, we stopped recording and then Rich and I started talking a little bit more about um, seeing Bruce Breenstein, you know, and what it's like now versus when he saw him in 1984 during the, the Born to Run tour. And, you know, he said that Clarence Clemens... Uh, who you know who recently passed away was the emotional anchor. And there's you know, probably there a reason why he's called the boss. Yeah, there's probably a reason for that. Pro- probably, probably. Um, but what I was trying to say, <laughs> random, random uh, nickname. That's good. But what he said was uh, really struck me. And you know, as I was driving home, I was thinking about that. That. You know, if we go to see this show at Wrigley Field, you know, I've never really, I've never seen him, I've never seen Bruce Springsteen before with Clarence Clemens, you know, the, the saxophone and just some of the biggest, big, biggest moments that he said when he saw him in 84 was the, seeing the chemistry and the emotion that was, you know, the energy between Bruce Springsteen and, and Clarence Clemens, you know, and, and that's not there anymore, you know, and he was talking about how, um, you know, his son-in-law, I believe, I hope I'm getting that correct, has kind of stepped in to play some of the horn parts, you know, for that. But it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. If you're going to see Bruce Springsteen, you see him before, you go there, and there's no Clarence Clemens. You know, I'm wondering... That changes um, the whole experience. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a band member missing. I'm curious missing, how, how, that, how that works for people. Like I mean, a different guitar. I mean, all that can change a live show. Absolutely. So if you've seen Bruce Springsteen you know, as the whole band together, and then you've seen them without Clarence Clemens. I really like to know, like, what you guys thinking, you know, uh, about that. Um, 
let, let us know. We have, uh, you know, some, um, some great stories, you know, about that that I've heard. But we, we'd love to hear from, from you guys. So let us, let us know. You know, we have all the show notes. Um, drop a comment about that, uh, livefixblog.com. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say, you know, about that. So, again, great, great chat with, uh, with Rich about his favorite music experiences. And now we want to get into uh, a little record store uh, day history. So, um, Colleen, what is, the, what, what is the history of independent record stores? Well, the oldest, America's oldest, Americans, America's oldest record store mm-hmm. belongs to George's Song Shop. It's located in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It still exists. Um, George's has been in continuous operation since 1932. 1932. Founder wow. Bernie George, along with his brother Eugene, started things off. In 1962, when Eugene passed away, his son John took the reins and today continues on at the store. Their website is www.georgesongshop.com and it features some of their history, pictures, of George's five floors of records. Five floors? Five floors. Wow. So that is the considered the first and the oldest. I'd love to visit store. there someday. Absolutely. You can see some more um, pictures on their website. Again, which is www.georgesongshop.com. Now, what about the, the connection of the in store performance? So. Thanks for asking. Now, a big that. part of mm-hmm. Record Store Day is, and just record stores in general, and this goes mm-hmm. back to our connection of the rec- connection between live music and the the feeling of being in a record store. So, how, how wh- absolutely what's the history behind that? So, um, the Commodore Music Shop, which was another one that was first opened in 1935, which came right after George's Song Shop. And this was actually, but this actually was opened in New York City. Okay, it was operated by record label head Milt Gambler. Gambler, um, the Commodore's first store selling records was on Forty Street, Forty Second Street in New York. Hmm. Um, the bene- the business benefited greatly from his friendships and with numerous music business pals, including Chuck Webb or Chick Webb. Um, and Betty Goodman. So some big names of people who were part Basie of Count Basie, too. Huh? Count Basie as wow, well, yeah. Wow. Betty Goodman? Wow. Gambler implemented the practice of having Sunday jam sessions in the store. Right there in the later store. Known, yes, later known as in-store appearances. Wow. This, this idea became an essential staple of many successful record stores. Hmm. So people so started modeling themselves off of... The first, or so one people of the second come, they come in the store. The, these artists were getting together, just hanging out, want to have jam session. People are playing live music. People are shopping, buying records. Absolutely amazing. And it's live music at its finest. The amazing. history of live music. So. Amazing. And then shortly after that, 1941, uh, opened uh, Tower Records. Russ Solomon opened that, um, and they started selling records. And then, as we all know. Uh, became also a venue for live music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of great moments. Um, they kind of all blur together, but um, uh, Tower Records in uh, Schaumburg uh, was a spot where I'd go hang out, 
Listen, Chicago, there's you know, one in Tower Lincoln Records, Park. right? Link, yeah, mm-hmm. um, a lot of great memories. You know, seeing there, uh, I believe it was early Smashing Pumpkins played there. Uh, you know, just a lot of Tonic. I saw Tonic. Tonic, you saw Tonic. Verb Pipe. Verb Pipe, really. Case Choice. We saw Case Choice. Mm-hmm. I wow. got to meet them all because one of um, the big things that Tower Records always um, to sell records, what they would do is they'd have a few bands in, they'd have them play, but then they'd offer autograph. And meet and greet the bands. Mm. So that was always Ain't their big nice. draw. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a there's a there's a connection here. I mean, it's it's amazing, and 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 I just think it's it's fantastic to think a little bit more about the connection between, you know, the the similarities. Because you there's 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 nothing that can replace you know the, the going to a, a record shop, flipping through the things you know, and I think that's what keeps this alive is that. People love the digital stuff, you know that, you know. But we're, you know, we like to touch and feel and experience and smells and, you know, we like to be social and communal and and you have all those in the record shop experience and then you also have those at the live music experience. So Absolutely. the two are intimately connected and fantastic. What better way to celebrate that than on record store? And day? it's not only history because awesome. um, there are many, many record shops that have become venues, once again. So I know in Chicago we have Reggie's, which used to be uh, record yep. breakers in yep. the suburbs, yep. and moved to the city and be, actually became a venue. And if you go upstairs, it's a still a music shop with yeah. CDs, records, um, just different kind of musical, uh, you know, collectible items. All types of stuff. All kinds of stuff. All types of stuff, yeah. And uh, one of my favorite record shops... Um, is uh, Lori's Planet of Sound in uh, Lincoln Park. And it is a great spot. I mean, I, I have a whole bunch of albums. Uh, the Last Waltz, uh, the movie um, we were talking about earlier, I bought there. Bought a bunch of great live, um, as you can imagine, I'm a you know, live, live concert junkie, you know, especially with the vinyl. You know, I like to find a good stuff there. So Lori's Planet of Sound. Um, last year, we waited in line outside of Reckless Records in Chicago on Milwaukee there in uh, Wicker Park to uh, pick up uh, you know the live uh, Mastodon, which I'm holding right here, uh, live at the Aragon. So funny little story is that we waited in line. And of course, the thing with Record Store Day is that these are exclusive releases that you can only get so there's a sense of you know hey you gotta wait in line and you you know by the time you get up to the to the record you know they might be all sold out so i'm holding in my hand here one of the last um, or so i'm told by the staff of reckless records that uh i was the very last uh i owned the last copy that they had in record store day so i walked out with a big smile on my face quite an accomplishment for you chris i love this Uh, it's uh, It's definitely um, something to the artwork but the artwork here you know i'm 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 salivating i i love the aspect like a lot of record fan music fans the physical you know sensation of uh holding an album looking at it and just saying hey you know within this with you know in the grooves of this record are a uh, a spiritual experience captured on uh, on vinyl you know and you just kind of look at the artwork and everything but Reckless Records, one of my favorite uh, spots. Cake Shop in New York. It's on 152 Ludlow Street, New York City. And they also offer um, local bands and bands from all over. Um, they play there, and they also obviously are a record shop. Yeah, yeah. So and... there, there's just a bunch of great venues that 
um, sell music. Yeah, so another other shop we go to is uh, Kiss the Sky in Geneva, uh, one of our favorite shops uh, out there as well. Um, and I think that's what else. Uh, there was one other shop. I think there's that's... also the Tower Records still exist in um, different parts, different countries. Right. So I believe London has one, um, and they're kind of just scattered all over, and they're very popular. Yeah. Unlike uh, the ones in you know United States, they closed, but. Uh, internationally, they're a hit, and people like flock to the um, record shop, Tower Records. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of movies that have made been made about the record store experience. High Fidelity, you know, all the setting in a, Empire uh, Records, Chicago uh, local music, which is actually based you know? on a real um, Empire or real record shop. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Record Store Day is uh, is uh, going on tomorrow in uh, in the in the city. So or this uh, this Saturday, uh, April twenty first. So here are a list of our top picks. Um, there are a lot of records. Uh, again, you can go, you can go to recordstoreday.com. We'll have all the links um, to to these records um, on the uh, on the blog. You can check them out. But some of our favorite ones. So I kind of I, I went through each and every release that's going to be available and picked out some of the live ones. So uh, to give you a little taste test, um, and there is a mobile app too. There's actually a uh, app, uh, iPhone and a uh, Android mobile app for Record Store Day. So you can kind of plan your attack uh, for that. But, uh, but what is that called? Uh, the actual app. Re- Record Store Day app. Record Store Day app. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have a link to it so you guys can click through, go to the blog lifefixblog.com and, and check out all the show notes and we'll have that, that link in there for you guys so uh, Buddy Guy has an album uh, a live uh, album Iggy and the Stooges live at all tomorrow's parties uh, Shabazz uh, uh, Palaces is, uh, has a live album as well Tegan and Sarah Get Along so we've talked about them uh, last year so they have an exclusive release just for Record Store Day uh, The Civil Wars live uh, at Amoeba so we've uh We've enjoyed uh, them that that venue before out in San Francisco. So uh, the Knack, and then one of the uh, more anticipated releases. Uh, I talked about this a little bit with Rich. It was the uh, Widespread Panic uh, Live Wood. So they're uh, they're releasing one too. And then there's um, you know there's a lot of uh, albums that are out there, seven inch releases. Uh, speaking of Bruce Springsteen. There's a, a track, uh, exclusive track on a 7-inch, uh, The Wrecking Ball, I believe, is the name of it, but um, I might be getting that wrong. But anyways, uh, a rare live recording of The Promise uh, from Bruce Springsteen. So if you guys are going out there to Record Store Day, you're going to be checking out some performances, uh, let us know uh, how it goes. You know, and, and we'd love to hear how record stores play an important part into your live music experiences. You know, We want to hear what you guys... Um, you know what you guys are experiencing, and you know what you what you enjoy the most. You know about that. So, and what's the phone number for LifeFix? Doesn't LifeFix have a we have phone number we, uh, currently? <laughs> we have. We were we were paying our uh, our phone bill. So uh, our phone bill or our phone bill. Our, our phone, phone bill. Our hotline. Our hotline. Concert Life concert fix, fan hotline. Concert Thank you. Fan is hotline. Uh, yes. Is seven seven three six zero nine four three four one. Give us a call. Let us know what your favorite Record Store Day performance experiences have been. And if you're like me, Richard, or Colleen, or whoever, any other fellow concert fan, and you want to share how going to a record store, going to a show are both an emotional experience for you, 
What's your, what are your, some of your favorite stories? Let us know. Um, that is our show. Hope you enjoyed it. We are, we are done. We will see you guys. If you're going to a record store day, let us know. We'd love to hear how it, uh, how it goes. But that is all. We will see you guys next time. Die.